Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. This audio edition is created in conjunction with partners as part of our Market Voice series. Well, we're about to wade into some fascinating and live territory. How do brands and marketers either chasing new customers or reminding others to come back wade through the incredible flux that's underway in media right now and do it more effectively and efficiently? Whatever you may think of advertising and media, it remains a critical gateway for business to nudge and remind consumers to try or buy their brand or product. And right now, figuring out where potential customers are in the hectic media system and not waste budgets reaching them or annoy with too many ads across disparate channels is driving marketers and media agency strategists like we have on the panel today to trial and experiment with some pretty interesting alternatives in cross-media audience measurement. On the mics today, we have Kmart's General Manager of Marketing, Rennie Freer, with her team from Universal McCann and Canesso who are one of the earliest in the Australian market to trial a cross-media measurement system in a bid to better understand how different audiences are traversing media channels and the ads they are actually watching. The single-source media measurement tech we're about to unpack was originally developed by, wait for it, a part-time DJ in Europe playing with audio pitch shifting, but is now being used by a growing number of blue chips globally wanting to fix the limitations and frustrations of current single-channel media measurement currencies when they're trying to find these potential customers we speak of. Everyone's grappling with the same stuff, but it seems like Kmart and its media team may have cracked the code on this one using a fast emerging TV, digital, video, audio, and even out of home audience measurement system from BeatGrid. So joining Rennie today is Adam Russell, Group Director for Kmart at Universal McCann, Charlie Allett, Digital Strategy Director at Kineso, the Dutch-based founder and CEO of BeatGrid, Daniel Jondro Nagoro, and BeatGrid's Australian General Manager, Cameron Curtis. This one should be quite a conversation, so welcome to you all. Charlie, let's start with you, because all fingers seem to point to you as the protagonist for this super interesting cross-media measurement trial that the team at Kmart have been doing. Before we get into some of the details, though, what was the problem you were solving for, Charlie? There is some frustration, isn't there, with audience measurement currencies generally in the market. Welcome, Charlie. Thank you. Great to be here. I think the frustration, if it exists, probably um, is a frustrated hope we love to be able to have a sort of unified, holistic picture of how consumers are navigating through what is pretty excitingly a, a fairly tumultuous landscape of fragmentation in the way that people's content behaviors are sort of changing. Um, and that probably is is the basis of the problem we're solving for. If I think, you know, if I think back to when I moved out into a share house 10 years ago, that was my sort of first brush with uh, unplugging uh, from linear TV and sort of not looking not looking back since then. So for me, it's been about a decade, and I think I've brought that that point of view into the way that we think about planning and buying media. That you know back then that was considered more of a fringe approach. I think this concept of being a cord cutter. We've since then obviously seen that become much more mainstream, much more of a um, nominal lifestyle for a lot of people. But digital in the past sort of three years has particularly hit its stride from a screens perspective. If we think about the growth we've seen over, you know, Netflix and connected TV, uh, multiple different streaming services sort of being added into the mix, as well as in Australia, particularly 
BVOD being such a major player. But directionally, it feels like where it feels very real to start to imagine what a world in which linear declines continue starts to look like. So the problem, I guess, or the question that I've had for, for quite a long time now has been, as these trends continue, what do we do to replace the mainstay that has been linear TV as the most effective way for a brand to sort of build reach and, and be effective? How do we replace that sort of gold standard and find the new balance, the new sort of appropriate mix of all screen types in a way that is going to effectively reach all Australians? And for Kmart in particular, um, I think their ambition around reaching all consumers is uh, is particularly important. So being able to do that in a way that is effective across multiple different screen types is something that this technology and this sort of measurement protocol has enabled and unlocked for us. And so essentially what you've, like most of the market, I guess, Charlie, you've been trying to piece together and hack different currencies to get a picture of what. So what, you know, essentially you've been trying to get to an ultimate goal and you've been using all the tools available to you, but it still doesn't give you that full clean picture. Is that's that's part of the problem here, right? Exactly right. I think especially in the past 12 months, there's been there's been a ton of really great broad research. Kantar and Google released a really, really wonderful piece of research about sort of cross-screens consumption. The problem with that is obviously it's generic research. It, it doesn't cover the practical effects of a buy where you're attempting to achieve, you know, 40, 50, 60% reach against a population within a specific time window. So for a, on a campaign basis, the advent of this capability has been being able to do that sort of in real time and measure it across multiple different channels sort of simultaneously. So you get this very accurate picture of how real people are navigating through different content. You know, you see that picture of the me from 10 years ago who unplugged their TV and you equally see the the people who are still sort of mixing between different formats as well as sort of the demographic makeup of those people as well. So we can get a really clear understanding of not only total reach and frequency across channels, but also the distribution of that RNF between people. And even more excitingly, I think the efficacy um, of those channels as well individually as screens. What you've been doing so far is trying to piece together different measurement systems that tell you bits about specific channels the concern here, though, is that, you know, you talk to the same people in different channels with too many ads. That's kind of part of the, the dilemma you're facing as a strategy and as a planner, right, in, in media. That's part of the issue here? Completely. The measurement tools that exist in each silo, um, you know, we have the ability to measure TV. We have the ability to measure in digital um, in pretty reasonable, pretty reasonable capacities. The question has always been, we don't know what the effect of people in between looks like. Um, and I think right now, at, at this moment in time, that has never been more of a uh, more of an issue because the the consumption and the way that people are navigating between screens has never been so prevalent. We are basically at uh, I would call it sort of that critical inflection point where consumption in all types of screens, digital and linear, is probably at at its you know local maximum for both. So you have this wave of consumers who are sort of equally piecemeal grazing from all these different sources of video. And when I say that, I'm talking about everything from sort of YouTube, social video, BVOD, SVOD, the multiple streaming services, some of them adding their ad-supported platforms, linear, obviously, at the genesis of it all. 
and figuring out, as you say, what what equitable sort of frequency looks like amongst those consumers is is critical because we don't know from a top line view whether we're oversaturating those people in the middle who are mixing. We don't know if we're overly aggressive in frequency with the 45 year olds who are who are watching, you know, a lot of 10 or likewise with the 24 year olds who are watching mainly YouTube. So it's great. And so then what happens is somewhere along the track, maybe was it last year, Charlie, you sort of ran into this alternative measurement system called from BeatGrid. Um, what was it about BeatGrid uh, and the approach that sort of got you at least enthusiastic enough uh, to convince your colleague, Adam Russell, to build a trial with Kmart? I think um, the genesis of this probably started, oh, Cam might remember better, but it, I think it was about four years ago when we first sort of started talking. I've been sort of flirting with the idea of BeatGrid for far too long now. So it's um, cathartic to finally... Oh, so it's a slow um, bake. It's been a slow bake, isn't it? <laughs> it has indeed. I think um, the the impetus and the sort of desire has always been there. Getting practically to enable it and sort of make it happen has been another question. Largely because I think while while there's been a lot of understanding of the necessity of having this, um, bearing the practical sort of application of it out, you know, requires quite a lot of investment in both media and sort of, sort of the research itself to be able to prove that out and have the sort of confirmation of it all. But the, the main attraction, I suppose, has come down to getting to that singular number, that unified view. And there are, there are so many pieces within the beat grid sort of study itself. It goes beyond that holistic number, but that was certainly the starting point. Of, of truly understanding cross-screens reach and, and in a way that I think doesn't limit you to certain types of screens. We see with some sort of currencies and approaches that are being taken today, there is sort of enthusiasm around some of them that are limited maybe to, you know, uh, a BVOD and a TV, for example, or in other cases, you know, some limited subset of screens. But this truly felt like the ability to sort of capture any and every screen that we would ever want to. And for me, that How was exciting. That? For you, I mean, it must have been robust enough for you to go, yeah, I'm gonna, we're going to give this a go. So for the listener, Charlie, what is it about the methodology that got your attention? Sure. BeatGrid runs and sort of operates through this very broad panel of, uh, of sort of users who have an app installed on their smartphone that listens passively to the audio around them. So the ad contents um, sort of soundtrack is used as the basis for for unpacking whether someone has actually been exposed to an ad. It's a really smart way of doing it because, of course, you know, in today's generation, most people carry their phones around them sort of all the time. And the the subset of that panel, I think it's about 35,000 people, which is significant enough to sort of provide the accuracy that we would want from this kind of measurement. But being able to get that in real time and sort of using the additional lens of pitch shifting the creatives that we're using across different screen types just slightly, the system can sort of also unwind whether people are being exposed in a particular channel. So for instance, we can see whether someone has been exposed to that audio ad creative or that creative creative's audio, I should say, in TV, linear TV, or on YouTube, or on BVOD, for example. That's the magic you've been looking for is actually sort of having one single source then to say, okay, we know this is what they've been consuming across the entire media mix. Got it. A real unified panel across all different screen types, you know, centered around this idea of, of audio, which is probably the realest so, it can get. Yes. And so, Adam, clearly Charlie was making some sort of sense to you 
why is that it's a similar scenario here to what he's just talked about that's what got you interested yeah, that's uh, spot on came up, then, I, I think for me it was really three things and and, and you've both touched on, on on all three but the first was definitely that it, it it was the first time i'd seen the question answered that we've all been asking for a very long time which is what ratio or what screens are best to reach to reach consumers and i don't think there's a media agency in australia right now who's not preaching to their to their clients that they should be utilizing a full screen strategy um, and we certainly do at um i think what was interesting about this specific test that charlie and the team took to me is that it is it is truly holistic. It's truly across the, the plethora of screens. In our instance, we did it across uh, linear TV, uh, all the BVOD equivalents, and we could have been using anything. We could have been using Twitch. We could have been using uh, Netflix, which is obviously bought separately. Um, and that was really key to this study is it was truly inclusive. There, there are obviously other plays in market. There's other measurement opportunities out there, but... For the life of me, I can't think of one that, that's this truly holistic. If you think about Voz as an example, that obviously looks at Total TV, but Total TV in that world is divine, defined essentially as the the traditional partners plus their their BVOD equivalents, so seven you know seven nine ten, Foxtel and whatnot. But of course, it excludes the plethora of other uh, SVOD providers. But most importantly for us, it also excluded YouTube, uh, and and YouTube is an integral part of our strategy we know through charlie's strategic work and through our own tools at um that there are consumers who are who are watching youtube like tv they're watching it on their connected device in their living room Mm. they're they're watching travel vlogs they're watching they're watching long form content they're simply using youtube and the challenge for us is that there's no measurement that brings that into their ecosystem. So Voz do a great job at, in their world. Um, and if you're buying unified digital through a single DSP, you can certainly have a view of total reach and frequency across your buy. But what Beatgrid did is it pulled both those things into one place. And, and that really excited me. And the reason it excited me is because I had the prime candidate for it in, in Kmart, which is, which is the second point. Kmart are obviously a brand that, that's for everyone i'm sure everyone on this call maybe not daniel in the netherlands but certainly uh everyone else on 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 this recording would have been in a kmart in in the last 12 months like the majority of australians and for that reason our our media strategy needs to ensure that we're reaching everyone and so in kmart we had the perfect candidate because our our current investment split in screens, firstly, we, we invest significantly into screens, and then and then within that, our split uh, is roughly even in terms of linear um, and digital. And within the digital component, we obviously have a, a real breadth um, of different of different screens with, within there. And and for us, this really acted as as a point of validation, yes, but also a point of optimization. And and that was the other key thing we. Until now, this was all planning. This was all strategy. We, we were making assumptions. And yes, of course, we were using the best in class, uh, you know, measurement and tools that was available to us. But because nothing pulled it all into one spot, we didn't really feel like we had a true view. And, and what this did for us is not only did it validate everything uh, we were doing in terms of reach and frequency and, and also e- efficacy that was really exciting. It also gave us, it gave us a couple of pointers or a couple of areas where where we needed to improve as well. 
It's really interesting, and you kind of hinted at it there, and Charlie and Adam may want to talk to this. I'm assuming you tested the beat grid data against the single channel currencies like Oztam and beyond, and it was aligned. It, it right? was. It wasn't that, too, that clearly was wasn't too thing far that off. You know, when we got the, the beat grid results, you know, we, we were pumped. <laughs> would be an understatement for Char- in Charlie's case. But we were, you know, we were thrilled that we knew that we needed to check it against the the other sources, um, you know, within their own within their own silos. So we did a, across the same research period. We did, I guess, the more traditional runs that we would have used for any other media buyer. So looking within the DSP DV360 in this instance, uh, and then obviously using Oztam um, and the ETAM panel uh, to look at how our linear delivered, and, and pleasingly. Both channels in their silos delivered very, very closely to the to the beat grid numbers because the beauty of the beat grid results not only do you get the unified holistic view, you also can break that down into all its parts and pieces. So, so beat grid were able to give us the you know the linear standalone component, which we then we then compared to the the Oztam ETAM results, and they were very, uh, very, very very close so there are a few small differences we were hypothesizing what they may be but that's the other thing that excited me about this is it's the methodology like pitch shifting it's so cool it's so cool that we've literally made some inaudible changes to our creative execution which tells us exactly what creative that person's phone and i I say phone we can't say for certainty the person was there but we know with a high degree of confidence to charlie's point that most people have their phone pretty close to them, and we know for a fact what channel. That's it. That, and we, it and we know for away, a fact what it? channel. It's not an assumption. Beatgrid technology picks up the unique sound on YouTube mm. and knows that it's YouTube, for example. And what's exciting about that is you can roll it out across everything, and you can also get even more granular. For example, we could have broken down BVOD into all its separate components. In this instance, we didn't do that. We kept BVOD. We didn't want to put too much on the creative agency. We didn't want to have you know 30 different creative executions. So in this instance, we only had TV, BVOD, and YouTube as right. the three creative executions, but we could have had as many as we wanted. Uh, and, we, and that way, we could have even broken down the unique reach that was being mm. delivered by each individual um, platform. Well, I'm just a bit of a heads up to the creators out there. I think it might be coming, so prep for that one. Um, lots of channels, lots of pitch shifting going on. Charlie, very quickly, um, just gives a sense of that enthusiasm. How did it sound when you saw the numbers? You were happy? <laughs> I, to say a lot was riding on it um, is probably an overstatement. The, yeah. Yeah, a catharsis of, of many years culminating in, in that one magic number at the start. But it's funny because we, to Adam's point, we knew we had... I think two two very effective halves of a buy. The measurement in each silo sort of told us and gave us a, an aggregate picture of what we should expect. What we lacked was the unified picture. So when everything started to line up, um, I'm sure many people in sort of strategy and in reporting have uh, experienced the synchronicity of all the numbers lining up correctly. And it was just incredible to see again and again and again that validation across basically every number we looked at the sort of alignment that we would expect and the same sort of continue to hold true when we got into the into the footfall and brand lift study sort of adjuncts adam sort of referenced that we were checking for efficacy in this as well i think one of the one of the critical points was to make sure that we're not sort of shooting ourselves in the foot in replacing effective reach on tv which we've known for you know, the better part of five decades is the mm. most effective channel. Um, it was essential that we're not replacing that reach with, you know, equivalent cost, but less effective reach in digital. I think that was that was another part of why 
this capability was so important. BeatGrid allowed us to also additionally send these surveys to parts of the panel to be able to unpack, for example, uh, for example, the brand lift impact that we were getting off of them. And then additionally, because we have this one-to-one relationship with those consumers, they've opted in to have their mobile phones use this technology. We could also measure their footfall behavior. So we could see actively that they're going um, on to, to into a Kmart store. And, you know, most essentially, we could measure that against yeah, wow. people who are known non-exposies. So we could see the difference literally right in front of us of people who within a two-week span have seen an ad and then gone on into a Kmart store versus the population norm of how people who haven't seen an ad will behave. So we could directly measure that uplift. We could see it in real time. And to Adam's point again, we could see it specifically broken down for each channel. I'd love to see the data. I know I'm not allowed to, but it sounds fascinating. I'd love to ask what the data says, but I know that that's not going to get answered anyway. But I won't even try. But it is interesting, and you're right, Charlie, The yeah, a lot of the stuff that I hear in market is that concern about swapping out a big screen linear TV experience with a digital experience and does it have the same impact? So it's really interesting to see that, you know, the big grid data is showing that the impact is still there. Rennie, this all feeds into your broader strategy at Kmart to be sort of a data-led marketing operation. Maybe give us a few Mm. thoughts on the cross-media trial and then really what being data-led means more broadly at Kmart versus perhaps how the team operated previously. And welcome, great to have you on. And really interesting trial, right? This is fascinating stuff. Yeah, it really is. And and thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here with this incredible panel. And um, I I think you're right. I I don't think there's a modern marketing team, though, that isn't data-led. So I I think strategically at Kmart, I might go up a level if that's all right and just talk about what it means to us. And I think, you know, the absolute core of who we are at Kmart is being 100% focused on how we create better value for customers. It's the entire model. So, and I think within that, you know, we are fundamentally a low-cost operator and we have this sort of DNA that is um, never really satisfied. We're always focused on continuous improvement. And so as a marketing team, how that perpetuates is that we always embrace opportunities to learn. And I think, as Adam said, you know, we are a brand that reaches all Australians. You know, it, pretty much any given moment in time, there will be one of our, our customers shopping in our stores within the Australian community. So it's critical for us as a brand that we play an always-on uh, role in our media. So our media strategy is very layered. But we also need to focus on simplicity and how we do that. Um, and that's that's where it gets quite complex. So data is critical to that. And I think making sure that we're always top of mind for our customers, we're always relevant to them when they're making a purchase decision is really difficult also in a low-cost lens. Through that lens, we don't have money to layer on and be in all channels at all times. So this is a really brilliant opportunity for us because the value in the data is supporting the creation of insights. So allowing us to learn more a bit about where our customers needs, where are they, what are they buying from us? And then ultimately the role that the UM team plays, how we reach them more effectively. And Mm. this trial is no different. So, you know, I know Adam and the team will be sitting there saying, you know, Kmart very much challenge our partners to be data-led because they need to be at the forefront of helping us execute this customer-led strategy. They need to leverage data and insights to help us do that really efficiently. Um, And in this instance, our media partners utilise this cross-media study to test this and demonstrate, yes, we are in fact reaching all customers in the channels and environments that suit them, but we can always continue to learn more. And if I, you know, rounding that out, without sounding repetitive, of course, as a low-cost operator, we need to do that. We need to demonstrate every single day that we're doing it really efficiently and ensure that every single dollar we invest is performing 
And this was a great opportunity to do that. And first in market opportunities are wonderful for marketers because the more we, we have an appetite to learn and we have an appetite to do more because if we're saving dollars here, if what we're doing is really you know, delivering the efficacy we need, we can reinvest in, in new channels, which as we know, and you touched on at the, at the top, there's always more channels. There'll be more channels tomorrow that mm. we're not. We're going to have to. We're going to have to engage with customers on. And budgets don't just keep increasing. So we need to be smarter every single day. Well, you'll be thrilled to know, Rennie, that my 17-year-old son and his mates requested very nicely and kindly last weekend if we could drive them to Kmart to get some stuff. So we're in that box Excellent. of, of people. So there you go. I've just got myself Wonderful. some brownie points. When you first heard about this trial or this methodology, were you sceptical or you thought, "Let's give it a go"? What was your initial impression with BeatGrid and what, what they were proposing? No, absolutely. We, we would give it a go. I think, you know, ultimately we, we have a high level of trust in our media partners. They've been a big part of our business for a very long time and they know our values. They know our passion for continuous improvement. And Adam very definitely knows that I'm one of those people every single campaign challenging the efficacy of it, particularly in screens. I mean, we, we laugh about it internally around all the VODs. You know, there's so many digital yeah. screens here. <laughs> That getting getting to the bottom of what is the right balance for for all of the customers that we serve, because ultimately we are talking to your seventeen year old son and we are talking to my father. So we really have to be incredibly strategic about managing that balance and managing it really effectively. So digital innovation um, is a focus for Kmart. Outside the BeatGrid trial, Rennie, um, what are some other examples of that when you talk about digital innovation? Because it's kind of on everyone's lips, it's on everyone's minds, everyone's talking about it, trying to do it. What is it for Kmart? That's, that's such a wide question, Paul. I think absolutely we're, we're really passionate about digital innovation. And I think, you, you know, you say it's on everyone's lips, but I also will say, you know, the counterpoint to that is it's just how we do what we do. Now, I really think, you know, everything we do in marketing has an integrated digital component. And that's regardless of where it really even fundamentally sits in the marketing funnel, whether it's, you know, awareness or conversion, we have to be incredibly strategic and really relevant to our customers at any given moment at, at time. So, I think we've really embraced it. The power of digital in our business is we're a big bricks and mortar business, but we've fundamentally embraced digital given it allows us to learn and learn at pace. It allows us to test and trial, whether it's at a store level, whether it's at a marketing level or whether it's at a brand, you know, brand and sort of broader awareness piece. Um, it allows us to leverage those learnings for future initiatives and also, and I, I think we've touched on this, but allows us to be hyper-targeted but at scale. And I think that's really critical for a brand like Kmart in the context of, you know, our scale, we are a brand for everyone. So we don't get to be hyper-targeted to a micro-segment of the community. We need to be efficient and targeted but to everyone at that moment when they're, when they're thinking about a future purchase decision. Daniel, we've heard some of the challenges on audience measurement in the Australian market and how Kmart is, is cracking this pretty early. But this is the same challenge, right, globally for brands. In fact, I think you say many markets this year around the world are essentially approaching a perfect storm. What's happening globally, Daniel, and what sort of brands and case studies are emerging from using BeatGrid's cross-media measurement system? It sounds like you've got some fans in Australia, at least. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, thank you, everybody. I didn't mention that. But thank you, everybody, for staying up late. For us, it's really early on this side of the world. But uh, we definitely have some Australian fans, uh, which is great. Funny enough, there's a lot of uptake in the Australian market at the moment for our solution. and. I sense that it's because the Australian market is quite progressive in adopting technology, uh, ad tech, and, and new data and insights initiatives. And we, we see that across some other markets, but I, I think it's, it's a bit different in Australia. And, that's, and maybe that's because the Australian market is used to being seen as 
as a as a test market for many tech companies or, or ad tech specifically. So there is a great level of uh, of adoption at the moment happening. Now, what we see in other markets, Paul, is that the momentum is is starting to pick up in a similar fashion. I think we see a lot of the measurement currencies being a challenge to keep on using for many advertisers across different markets and regions. And as a result, uh, we also know that audiences move very intuitively and swiftly between devices and content platforms, which, as we all know, uh, only increases the challenge of measurement. And I think what we're seeing, for example, in some markets that were active, there's not even a single solution that can measure incremental reach to begin with. And I think the change of behavior has definitely been accelerated by the previous pandemic or the still somewhat current COVID pandemic. The lockdowns have pushed people to to use their on-demand TV subscriptions, video subscriptions more uh, and cancel their, their traditional way of consuming media as well. And at the same time, obviously, there's this long-term, I would almost say, initiative uh, by Google to, to cut out the cookie, which leaves advertisers longing for alternative solutions. And moreover, there is increased privacy legislation that isn't making the case easier. Now, we always come at it from a privacy-first approach. I think what, I, what I've learned <laughs> over, over the long time with BeatGrid is that measurement is incredibly difficult. It's, it's way more complex than I initially thought. And as you go into an adventure and you want to build a solution and you want to help, help address a challenge in the market, you, know, you always go in it in somewhat... Uh, Wide-eyed and optimistic, perhaps. Optimistic, uh, somewhat ignorant, maybe. <laughs> and yeah. You go in and you solve for it. And the, the complexity is vast. I think what we're seeing, all of, that, all of those components together, we, we always started out with a privacy-first approach because we thought that was going to allow us to build a sustainable model. Because if you have a measurement solution that isn't supported by consumers, Right, consumers are not willing to partake or not willing to share their data. It's never going to be sustainable, and I think uh, that has always been the focus uh, since inception. And as part of that, and that's kind of what I was referring to in terms of uh, it's kind of like a perfect storm, and or, or it's it's been stormy. Let me put it that way: that you know, increased privacy legislation in different. Uh, countries uh, throughout the world, whether it's Europe or whether it's the US or whether uh, it's it's locally in the Australian markets, and the demise of the cookie and the change of content consumption behavior, uh, all coming together, making our solution kind of a solution that addresses those three pieces. What sort of brands globally are using BigGrid? And I might just see if I can tempt you a little bit on, on a comment you made the other day in, in chatting about this was you said the US was a sea of red. And I'm, I'm interested in what you mean by that. It's in context of measurement and audience track, uh, audience measurement, I, um, I'm assuming. But who's using it globally? Uh, I mean, we work with many, many Fortune 500 uh, advertisers from the likes of Unilever, P&G, uh, Google, 
Amazon, Virgin. Yeah, I mean, the list is, is quite yeah. extensive. And some of these campaigns are that we measure are quite significant. If you can imagine, particularly in the US, the TV business is a, is a $90 billion uh, business. Some campaigns that we're measuring, we get the responsibility from our clients to measure uh, $100 million plus campaigns. And they basically rely on us in order to say whether that was a success or it wasn't. And that comes with, you know, big responsibility. But they're coming back, Daniel. They're coming back to use you again. So you must be doing something by the sounds of it. And I think $100 million for anyone would dream of that. She'd be very happy. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, the whole market would be. Yes, yeah. it's the entire, it's the entire <laughs> Australian market, not quite. But yeah, it's, it, the scale's immense, isn't it, in the US? And the fact that I think this is where I, I sort of guess I'm heading with this is the fact that you've got such a scaled market in the US, a $100 million campaign or, or budget, and they're using Beatgrid's system to do it does seem like you might be credible. No, I mean, uh, look, I mean, we've been, you know, we, we've been scrutinized up and mm, down and left and right because, you know, and thus, uh, otherwise partners wouldn't work with us and rightfully so, right? So we had to jump through many hoops and look, that only makes us better and it only makes the solution better and it only makes everybody that's using it better. Every day we get uh, scrutiny, every day we get pushed by our partners and clients to become better. You know, what we have today is certainly not the end. We're, we're, we have a very, very ambitious roadmap to make our solutions easier to use, uh, make measurements, basically capture more situations, uh, neural nuances. You know, the reason we have a solution that can measure through panel-based solution, measure across channel and across funnel is because some of our clients pushed us to do so. The, it actually started out with an initial pilot just for brand lift measurement, right? So all the advertisers across the world, they do, I mean, cumulatively, they do thousands and thousands of brand lift studies. And most of them are still done through an opportunity to see methodology where you ask a survey participant a bunch of questions to understand what they've potentially been exposed to, and regardless of what people say of how good that survey is, who's going to remember what they've seen, right? Who's going to remember what channels they've used? So the initial uptake for our solution was to come up with a much better brand lift solution across, for example, TV, radio, and some video. And now it has evolved across a wider number of, of video screens, and it has evolved into not only measuring brand lift, but also measuring incremental reach across these channels. Or in this particular example, uh, because we also measure location, and therefore we measure ad exposure to, to out of home, but also footfall, right? So uh, it, it, the solution evolves constantly we have to and i think what what we're you know coming back to your comment on uh, in some markets like the us it's a red ocean there are a lot of initiatives and there are a lot of great initiatives and i think but to charlie's points before most of them focus on let's say a cross platform uh, solution between video or CTV and TV, 
none of them really have a true cross-media view, right? Where you can also include YouTube, you can also include all CTV platforms, you can include, uh, in some regard, uh, social video, you can include radio, you can include out of home. And the other trend that we're seeing with that is that it's all about scale, right? Which we get. We also, to a certain extent, agree with that. But what we're seeing a lot as well is that it's scale without precision. So uh, we, we sometimes joke around here and say, well, if it's garbage in, in some way it's garbage out. And there's the fantastic modeling on top of that. So definitely not uh, discrediting, but I think panel-based solutions have been a bit dirty for, for quite some time. It was all about scale, big data, but big data without any demographics or without really understanding measurement of the individual, right? There's it becomes too much modeling on yep. modeling on modeling. Rini, you got some thoughts on this? Yeah, I think in support of what Daniel's saying, marketers, you know, and I know certainly speaking on behalf of our team, we are hungry for data points. We're hungry to talk to the efficacy of what we do because while we all understand marketing is an art and a science, this is really where the science and the insights can add that sort of layer of specificity about what we're doing and the effectiveness of that. So while no one study, and, and as Adam touched on, no one study is the single, you know, silver bullet to solve all of these data points that we're looking for, it's wonderful to have another layer to help us understand the efficacy of what we're doing so we can help innovate. This is probably as close as you can get at the moment to a single view on, on behaviour across mm. screens but by the sounds of it, and that's what you guys are saying. I think when digital advertising became more mature, I think the, the notion of panels became a little bit dirty, right? People were walking, oh, you're doing mm. a panel-based solution to measure right this, this scale of measurement, and then... There was a vast adoption of data without the proper scrutiny of that data. And, and a lot of marketers found out that a lot of data, third-party data, was a, a big exchange of third-party data sources, weren't that great, weren't that accurate, but it was mm -hmm. a data point. And I think there is a, a strong comeback for panel-based solutions because for example, we we ask every panelist throughout their journey uh, over a hundred demographic profile questions throughout. So we know so much and validate that regularly to increase that accuracy. So it's all about the knowing. So a, a cookie is a cookie or a pixel is a pixel. Great. But yeah. who is it? Cameron, we've talked about this before as well. What Daniel's saying in and around panel-based is exactly the same here in Australia, right? And I remember yeah. five years ago, 10 years ago, dist. I mean, panels were sort of seen to be from the digital crowd. It was going, they are so old world and unnecessary. It's flipped again right now. They're sort of no longer useful, if you like, NLU, but it's flipped. It's, it's interesting. And, and I think we have to distinguish between a single source panel of specifically and precisely recruited humans compared with a digital lookalike panel, which is composed of you know, a conglomerate of cookies and pixels uh, that then, you know, track people across the internet and try to apply lookalike profiling on those behaviours when you fundamentally don't actually know what that piece of code is actually attributed to uh, as mm -hmm. much as you might try to sort of assume it is. The big difference, and to Dan's point around the demographic questions that we ask, a single source panel is by its very nature one of the biggest challenges to creating a precise measurement approach 
because the limitations are a huge amount of investment and time uh, of, I should say, of time and money because you're recruiting humans, you're managing them. It's an organic and dynamic panel and they require real remuneration. Uh, the, the output, though, is their genuine and legitimate behaviour in the way that they consume media and also, importantly, then the contribution that they make to uh, brand lift and brand understanding and brand sentiment. And again, it's not necessarily, you know, flinging something up because of the number of exposures that a certain person had uh, through their digital journey on various websites. It's based very specifically on their media exposure. So yeah, I think the big difference there is the is is single source is absolutely in a in a renaissance, and I think that renaissance is going to continue for a very long time, which is why we're investing in it so heavily. This gets really fascinating. This is a question to all of you. What next then with cross media measurement? What becomes of the incumbent media currencies? And what about VOS? And let's start with Charlie, seeing that you started all this in the first place. So what do you think about what happens here, here Charlie? What becomes of VOS? Where is VOS? Uh, I think we welcome any additions to the measurement landscape. I think we are crying out for sort of additional coverage and additional viewpoints across what's going on. I think there's a lot of excitement around different approaches in this space. For me, I think we found a fundamentally great one. And I think any continued builds in this space are positive. But to the points that we've been making up till now, I think the increased fragmentation of this space means that siloed measurement in specific spaces is not necessarily going to cut it in the in the broader applications that marketers are now requiring uh, and demanding even for um, full coverage of screens buys and indeed of, of broader cross-media measurements. So hopefully it serves as a, a sort of kickstart for more and more measurement solutions and more and more discussion on this topic. Adam, to you, what becomes of incumbent media currencies? What about VOS? We welcome all and any forms of, of measurement. But I do think there's something in the fact that BeatGrid is independent of all that. It doesn't live within its, its, its silo. You can, you can literally add anything to the mix, as I spoke about before. And I, I think that's a real big difference. And I think that the other media measurement platforms need to get on board with that. I think we've been waiting for certain measurement solutions for many, many years. I think we, you know, we first heard Voz many, many years ago before it came to fruition. And as recently as the last couple of weeks, we've heard that Foxtel is is moving away from that into their own sort of world of measurement. And I just think bringing together is what we want, uh, certainly as as media agencies, and and what we want to bring to our clients is is uh, consolidated solutions and i think if the measurement keeps becoming more and more fragmented then the players like beat grid who pull it all together and, and work with everyone are going to win one minute each from daniel and, and cameron on this sub so daniel at a global level where do you see incumbent media currencies going can i just ask a sub question to, to the previous one so on the move from foxtel what is your view on specific networks or media channels taking their own take ad measurement? Is that helping the marketer? I can answer broadly. As I spoke about, Daniel, I, I think we as as media professionals, as media agency professionals, we're crying out for, for unified solutions, not silos. 
my my buy like the market is is fragmented. So we you know we spoke about all the vods. Rennie I think mentioned all the vods uh, earlier on. We have all the vods as part of our media mix, um, yeah. and we'll continue to use more and more vods. In in fact, one of the one of the uh, optimizations that came out of uh, the Beakrid study was in fact that maybe where we are underutilizing one area of video in particular, as an example, and being able to bring that all in together. <laughs> I wouldn't tell you anyway. I won't but, ask which one. By um, the way. But what you, I think, what, <laughs> if if players keep operating in the individual silos, that that's not what the market's asking for. The market's been asking for a unified screens measurement approach for years and years and years. Uh, you know, I've been in this game for for twelve years, and we were talking about it on my my very first day, and and we're still not there um, as an industry, or maybe yeah. we are. Maybe we are there, and maybe maybe this is one. You know, to Charlie's point, we welcome more and more measurement solutions, and this is certainly one that's worked for us. Importantly, you know, going back to the beginning, importantly, it's been validated by all those single sources as well, in that the independent results within channel do do not differ greatly. The VODs, it sounds like a great band, by the way, but Cam, give us a one-minute take on where you see this, um, what is the future of of the currencies here in, in the Australian market? Look, certainly from a Beakwood perspective, we stand ready to support the marketer's journey into proving, continuing to prove improved advertising effectiveness. That's our role. Uh, that's the role we embrace. And I think in terms of where current measurement solutions sit, look, one of our really valued agency partners, I think, said it best uh, when they said that, you know, Voz arrived after three years and it was made redundant in one day by Beakwood. So whether that's too provocative a statement, I'm not sure, but we don't well, you pretend just said to be it, a so currency trader. Now, Cam, now you're in trouble. We don't, we don't pretend to make it a, a currency. Uh, we're not, a, we're not a, a currency trading measurement, but we we are there to not be attached to the sale of inventory. We're there to support uh, the marketer in making highly qualified decisions on advertising effectiveness. Rennie, I can't sign off before asking about the current economic climate and consumer mood. You know, it's everywhere. It's, it's I, I talk to a lot of marketers, mm-hmm. and it's what is happening for 2024? What is happening with consumer spending, intent, and so forth? What are you seeing in terms of your customers and shopping? Are they trading down or is there shifts there that are, that are of interest? What are you seeing really quickly? Yeah, you've nailed that, Paul. I mean, the current economic climate with its high cost of living, it's really clear to us. And I think, as you say, the wider industry that really many Australian households are feeling really significant uh, pressures on their income. Something we're really proud of came out. We've been an everyday low-price model that's been trusted by our Australian community for well over a decade, so this isn't new to us. And I think what we're seeing is that our customer base is continuing to grow, and I think that really demonstrates the appeal of our value proposition to all Australian households, and we've never been more relevant. And while value absolutely is increasing in its importance, it's also really apparent that customers don't want to compromise and they want and they should expect that retail brands like ours will deliver access to great products, great prices, and allow their families to live the best lifestyle possible, particularly within the constraints of the current pressures. I think there's a quote I might leave you with from a customer that has stayed with me since my first day at Kmart, and it's that Kmart allows us to afford the things in life I feel we deserve. And I think Mm. I might leave that with you because I think that's the role that the entire Kmart team, there's 44,000 Kmart team members, we are so proud of the role we play in the lives of our customers and in the community. And I think, you know, what's it's we're going from strength to strength based on that. Yeah, well, it's intuitive really that you know, Kmart would have to benefit in the current climate because it's good value and, and certainly just to, you know, again, say my son likes you. There we go. Hey, Rennie, Charlie, Adam, Daniel, Cameron, great conversation, really interesting conversation. I think it's the start of, 
you know, some big things that are going to happen in, in measurement and media measurement. So thanks for joining. Stay safe. And Daniel, thanks for joining from the Netherlands. Thanks for uh, keeping up late. This MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free. Listener.